Welcome, everybody. Welcome, FC Dallas Curious fans, to episode number 55 of Third Degree, the podcast. Today, perhaps we could say North Texas Soccer Club Curious fans as well, because joining me on the call is none other than uh, uh, North Texas Soccer Club General Manager Matt Denny. Matt, welcome to, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me. All right. The first most important question of the day is, uh, as myself being a fan of Newcastle United, uh, how did you become a fan of fellow black and white striped club Knotts County? I'm, I'm gonna say the original Magpies here, so it's a nickname we share that we can claim we're the originals. Um, really, I mean, it was a uh, Forest had traditionally been the more more favoured fans in Nottingham. Um, it's still true to this day, but I I guess I just went against the grain a little bit. I remember watching um you know an FA Cup final in the early '90s against Tottenham. It was Forest Tottenham, and my whole family's rooting for Forest. So I decided to cheer for Tottenham more to annoy them than anything else but uh, I went to a, a football camp at Meadow Lane and um, one of the coaches took me under his wing and, and the rest is history I just started my passion for the sport and uh, it's been that way ever since my my university friends called me footballitis and uh, they said I got the bug and it's just been that way ever since. Now I'm going to ask this question without knowing the answer uh, were you a, a professional player on some level or is your background amateur like myself? Yeah, so I was I was always aspiring. That was what I wanted to be was a professional. Um, but you know, I had some tryouts for some some top teams back in the day, and um, you know, I think when I was fifteen, I had a tryout for Leeds United when they were in the Premier League, and uh, I really saw that as my last chance to make it. And and when you get to that fifteen, sixteen year old age group, you really kind of uh, your opportunities are very slim to to make it as a pro. Um, I did end up playing for um, a team in the Unibon Prem, which is a semi-professional team, and then just uh, you know worked my way playing men's football from the ages of 15 onwards. So, um, yeah, I, w- I had some opportunities, some tryouts, but but it was mostly semi-professional, amateur level. So, how did you come to the United States from amateur soccer player at the age of 15, 16 years old? Yeah, um, really, I. I, I guess one of the things that, that piqued my curiosity about America was that, was that the World Cup here was, was a phenomenal thing to watch. Um, I took some trips over here with my family, and um, my high school coach um, at the, in England was a former coach uh, at a university in Green Bay, um, and he told me, he said, look, you, you're too old to make it here now, but you should look at um, America as an opportunity if you want to keep playing. There's a good life out there. And um, he arranged a tryout for me um, at a couple of universities. And uh, he said, in order to pay for your trip out to America, um, you should coach and they'll pay for your trip and pay you along the way for a couple of months. And then, you know, on the tail end, you can do your tryouts. And um, I kind of took his advice. And just before I was supposed to come out, um, I got injured, but I still came out and did the coaching side of it. Just never, never tried out, and um, ended up going back to England, doing my university. And in the three months, you know, every summer I got off, I would come back out and coach, and uh, just enjoyed it. I got to coach uh, based out of Rhode Island one year, Southern California one year, and um, Chicago one year, and I uh, got to see a lot of the United States, and always did the coaching for two or three months, and then got some vacation at the end, and. 
and just got to see a lot of the country and and fall in love with with America really and I think I've got to see probably more of a country than than most Americans have and I just uh have enjoyed that opportunity and and being part of it so from university uh student to FC Dallas what was that what was that path like um well basically when I was uh finished university there was a club in Chicago that that offered me a a full-time position they they um took over my my visa and and said they wanted me full-time and it was a a club called Lions Township so I took that opportunity it was a great club great philosophy and um worked there for five years worked my way up to to director level and uh met my wife in in Chicago um she was from Texas originally she grew up in Richardson and uh we would come over every Thanksgiving and Christmas and come from the brutal cold of Chicago to the to the summer sun and uh, well winter sun in in Texas and um, it was very appealing um, when we started to look at housing uh, we looked at the price of real estate in in Chicago and then the real estate in Texas in like 2009 um, that was appealing too so we made the jump over here and um, made the decision to to move over here I took a took a job coaching originally but uh, it's a little bit of the wild west out here and um enjoyed the business side. I wanted to get more involved in the business side because I got that experience um, at the club in Chicago and, uh, you know, took an entry-level sales job and kind of worked my way up. Um, I was very competitive, so when I was given a, a goal, I would I would go and get it and um, started hitting numbers, getting recognized on a league level um, and, and really enjoyed the fact that I could, you know, be competitive, go after numbers and 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 try and win, I guess is the thing, but I got to get a lot of exposure with different departments within the organization, you know, whether it be sponsorship, merchandise on the team side. So I really kind of took pride on, on not just staying in my lane and learning from, from other departments and interacting with other departments too. So I really kind of enjoyed learning about the whole organization and not just, just one facet of it. So before the start of the 2019 uh, North Texas season, really before the club even existed, I suppose, uh, you were named GM of North Texas Soccer Club. Did did they give you sort of any uh, larger mandate um, uh, with North Texas Soccer Club, like a a, a mantra for the club or a a philosophy of the club? Um, Yeah, there there was a lot of direction. Um, I remember when when this opportunity first came up, uh, you know, ownership asked me and they, they explained what was happening, that they were starting a, a USL team and, and they thought that I was a good good candidate to interview. So they asked me to, to interview. Um, it was like a midweek, a Wednesday, and um, by early the next week, I was in front of uh, ownership and some members of Hunt Sports Group um, kind of presenting what my ideas were for, for the team and what I can bring to the table. But um, overall, I mean, it's, it's a team that was set up to, to give opportunity to, to develop our players and bring in new players that couldn't develop. But um, they just wanted a, a professional environment and uh, be able to give players experience and put them in, in MLS-like situations. Um, and that can be from, from travel to fans to, um, well, training especially, but, you know, things like player appearances and, and going on the road and playing for our hostile fans. But, just putting people in front and uh, in situations that are going to help them make the next step and also see if they're ready for the next step. So we wanted to do that, develop players 
um, but also try and create a winning culture and an experience for these players of being being professionals. Now, I assume that it was a group decision, but um, what impressed you about uh, Eric Quill um, as you as as he was a candidate for the head coaching job? Um, in hindsight, he was he was a perfect fit. Um, there were some good candidates, and uh, I think Eric's just his aspirations and his his drive is infectious. His his mindset of wanting to win and develop at the same time is something that just fit with the organization. And um, the fact that he was, you know, part of the FC Dallas family in the past playing, you know, for the, for the burn and uh, it just, it was a great fit, but um, he's a good person, a great coach um, and he fits what, what we're trying to go after. And um, part of, part of the team and the organization is, is to grow players and grow people and give people opportunity. So he really fits within our model of, of growing and developing people as well as players. And, uh, and that's top to bottom within the organization. So, um, it's great to see that. And, uh, Michelle's another example of that, you know, former player, um, have the opportunity to, to get some coaching experience and he's, he's stepped up in a big way too. So Eric was a phenomenal hire and, um, big, big reason of why we won a championship last year. Now, one of the first decisions you guys made in terms of player personnel was to uh, bring in Ricardo Pepe, a decision I actually think was fantastically smart, um, both in terms of his ability and his potential, but also in terms of the fact that he had already been getting notoriety uh, you know, off the field and was a known commodity. Um, can you take us to the decision uh, from your end on, in terms of bringing in Ricardo Pepe as the first player to the club? Um, yeah, to be honest with you, by the, by the time um, you know I stepped in and came into the, the process, that decision was already made and... Uh, it was a great decision. My understanding is that you know it was it was just the obvious decision, and it's something that he had earned. And uh, you ask anyone, you know, who'd come across him, it was it was a no-brainer. So he's uh, he's kind of taking every opportunity and and forcing people's hand, and and just I think he's a phenomenal talent that, that we're lucky to have. I think on the podcast, if I remember correctly, I predicted not. I'm not even gonna say if I remember correctly. I remember for sure that I predicted that. Uh, North Texas will not only win the league the first season, but dominate it. Um, how, from the inside, how did you guys feel going into that first season? Did you have that confidence level, or was it more of a blank slate for you guys? Um, to be honest with you, it's kind of it's it's difficult to know in the first year of a league. Um, you know, you don't know what the other teams are going to look like. Um, you don't know what we're going to look like in actual game situations, and. Uh, we wanted to be competitive. We wanted to get in the playoffs, and I think that was kind of the initial goal. Um, if you ask Eric, he would have said championship without hesitation. <laughs> of um, course, he did. <laughs> but, but but that was that's him, and that's that's why he's good. And uh, you know, after every training session, he asks the players what's the goal, and, and the response back is championship, and uh, and that's been been the case from day one. So um, I think for us, we wanted to be competitive, get to get to be in the playoffs, and, and go from there. That was our initial goal. How about in the stands? Did you guys have any expectations expectations going into the year? Were you, were you able to meet um, whatever goals you had set that first year? Um, I think I think there's a lot of things in year one. It's a we're a big learning curve, and you know this was this was one of them. Um, we thought we had a good plan going into it. We we'd got um, you know tickets out to a lot of people, and and um, our drop count wasn't as as good as what was actually out there. Um, so that was a big learning curve for us. Um, you know, initially we were going to play a game or two in in another stadium. Um, I think it was actually four or five games we had slated for for a secondary venue, and um, 
you know, we had to make a U-turn on that because something changed. It was kind of out of our control. Um, so that was something that we had to kind of pivot on really quickly. Um, but it, it was tough being in the same market as, uh, as our MLS team, to be honest with you. And it's something that, you know, won't be an issue in, in future years so much. What kind of, uh, you mentioned this other venue, what, just generally speaking, what, what kind of other venue were you looking for um, to, other than Toyota Stadium? Um, I mean, for us, it's, we've, we've researched a lot of potential opportunities. It was seeing what uh, fit with, with the league structure. There's league minimums and um, just what ticked the criteria for the league. And then we would explore and see what opportunity there was for us to play. So. Uh, it, it was really just seeing what fit within the league's mandate and, and go from there um, and, and seeing what, what what was out there really and then go from there. So we've had a lot of conversations with, with a few facilities and it's just finding ones that are willing to work with us and, uh, and fit the criteria. Now, I know you're involved with kits and uh, at North Texas and we, of course, on third degree are huge into kits and, and take them quite seriously. And so uh, <laughs> what hints can you give us about this year's kit? I, uh, I believe there's a new home kit that's new. And and did you get me blue socks to go with that red jersey and white shorts? <laughs> uh, I, I can't give too much away. I think you guys are too good at guessing for me to give you any intel on this. Uh, so you're you're a victim of your own success there. But uh I think you'll like it this year. Socks-wise, I will tell you they're not blue, but uh, we were able to get some some more customization on on the socks, and they came in a couple of weeks. Look great, so I'm really excited about that. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to give you any hints, unfortunately. <laughs> no. All right. <laughs> um, I, I assume that predominantly red is still the theme. If, if we can go at least that far. Yeah, you can have to wait and see. Uh, I know you'll like it. We would have had it released a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we're actually waiting on. On patches, they've been delayed. We've got new patches with the star above the crest, and uh, they've been delayed with uh, all the stuff in China delaying um, production there. So we've, our company's sourcing them in the, in the U.S., and hopefully we'll get some in pretty soon. Right, let's move on to 2019. Uh, I don't think any of us, even the biggest uh, Ricardo Pepe supporters and fans in the world, would have predicted a opening day hat trick. I, that certainly was a glorious um, way to kick off the whole campaign at home, I would think, for you guys. Yeah, yeah, I don't think anyone would have uh, predicted that. Uh, maybe Pepe, if you'd asked him. But, uh, <laughs> of course, right? Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean that was that was him taking uh, taking his opportunities. He's writing his own story, but um, just that was a great start, and it kind of uh, put us on the map. It showed that the age isn't necessarily a factor, and um, if you, you're old enough, you're good enough, as it goes. Now, North Texas came smashing out of the gate. Uh, April was three and zero. May was three and one before you finally lost your first game of the year and the eighth game of the year up in Toronto FC, um, which is obviously one of the better teams in the league, particularly on their home ground. Do you recall how the uh, team reacted to that loss? I believe it was in the middle of a road trip, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, going back to that, I meant if, you, if you're good enough, you're old enough. I think I said it the wrong way around on my last one there. But, um, but yeah, back to, to this question. The, uh, I, I do remember that game because it was a lot of... Um, you know, interesting moments in the game, and I think there was some uh, some things after the game that, that led to a interesting referee report for me. But um, they, it was a bit of a reality check uh, for the team. I think that they uh, Toronto got in our heads a little bit, and uh, it was it was a credit to Eric. Um, 
just how he deals with players and their their mentality and and the psychological side of it. I think that that he wanted to get that game out of their head as soon as possible, and uh, and move on to the next one. So, um, I think we went from Toronto to another game on the road. It was two road games, and uh, I think we we had some. Uh, interestingly enough, we had some baggage issues where our bags ended up in Laguardia, and uh, we got them the the day the day of the game. We got our, our uniforms. Uh, so that was an interesting one to to maneuver. You are correct that the team rebounded really well right after that. They they won a few more games before they lost their next one, which was the game Coach Michelle had to start. So um, the big <laughs> takeaway, the big question from that, of course, is that um, was there a uh, – if I remember right, the DA was in the playoffs and uh, there was a bunch of calls from the first team. And But um, I, my question would be, was, was there an adjustment from you guys in terms of the way you manage your roster for this season um, from that from that circumstance? Um, yeah, yeah. The simple answer is is we've learned from it. Um, we're gonna do things a little differently this year, but um, it was an anomaly too. It was kind of the perfect storm of injuries and uh, international call ups and, and other games within the organization across every team. It's something that we uh, we thought we could manage. It just all happened at once, and uh, obviously we didn't want that to happen. But we learned from it, and uh, going forward, with you know uh, we've got more players on the roster. We're um, scheduling, we've tried to avoid certain dates or make sure we've got home games on certain dates as well. So I think we've got it under control, and that was a big learning curve last year. It's interesting to hear that you guys have a level of input into the schedule with the league. Um, that's a little surprise to me, I think. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we do, we're able to have some input, obviously, on, on stadium availability dates, but we can now. Uh, we can lean on the league a little bit on games that we would like to have home games. Uh, certain games we would, we would prefer to be at home um, based on what's going on in the market. Uh, so they work with us within reason, um, but they're obviously managing a lot of teams, so there's no no perfect way of doing it. But um, they, they do try and work with us and give us a few uh, opportunities to go back and forth with other teams. So um, they're pretty good in that way. Um, as I say, it's not we can't say every day we want, but we can have some input, and they're good like that. So that, that is helpful. Right now in June, Ricardo Pepe signed with FC Dallas as a homegrown, which was probably a foreseeable circumstance. Uh, what was not foreseeable was the explosion of Ronaldo Damus, uh, who became your go-to goal-scoring threat. I mean, was that something that, you, um, that the staff and even yourself, I'm sure you have discussions with the staff, uh, saw coming? Because I certainly was caught off guard by his ability to uh, convert at a high level in the, that league. Yeah, he, he stepped up in a big way. Um, you know, when... You kind of have to to deal with the the, the idea that you don't have uh, your top goal scorer suddenly, and uh, you know what the plan is. He just stepped up in a huge way, and if you look back at the season, um, him stepping up and and scoring those goals was instrumental, and it was probably as big of a factor as as a lot of things you could isolate of you know what was a key thing in the season that that helped you um, just. Him, him coming and stepping up at the right time and, and being able to score those goals was huge. Um, but it's credit to him, took advantage of his opportunity. And um, and I know that, you know, Eric was was maybe someone that saw it come in and, and you know, anticipated a little bit and, and put him in scenarios that, you know, uh, made him work harder in practice and, and force his hands. So he, he took advantage of his opportunities, but it was uh, something nobody saw, um, to be honest with you. And I, I think... Uh, he just took it in his stride and took every day, every game as it comes, and always had a smile on his face. 
Now, you only had one home loss on the whole year to the Greenville Triumph. And uh, to be honest, that was quite a shock when it when it happened. Um, why, why do you think you guys were so difficult to beat at home? And, uh, and, and what about – and Greenville was a tough opponent you had the whole game. Was there anything about Greenville mm-hmm. specifically that made them difficult for you guys last year? Um, I think, you know, they've, they've obviously got a great coach and um, they just went out tactically and, and prepared well. Um, I think it was that was the game where we got an early red card. Um, right. It didn't help, right? Yeah, so that kind of took the wind out of our sails. But we, uh, I think Eric's comment after the game was we really didn't prepare for um, situations being a man down. And that was something, you know, he took out of it and, and prepared obviously for in the future. So... Um, it's a brand new team and a new group. Um, it was just one of those days where we kind of didn't have answers and, and they came out and prepared uh, tactically really well against us. And I think we started to see that um, a lot of teams kind of went out with the the tactics of, you know, doing the low block and, and, and trying to just um, plan against us a little bit and not allowing us as, to play the way we wanted to. So. Uh, we started to see that and we started to see the players getting frustrated and then we had to adjust and adapt and this this kind of why we're doing it is the players are learning how to to adjust and and you know technically and tactically uh adjust the teams that are playing and trying to stop you playing i guess is the way it worked for us now at that point you had uh, earned home field advantage through the playoffs um how, how are you guys feeling as an organization having accomplished what you have admitted was going into the season the primary goal, I think, for the organization of making the playoffs and getting that home field advantage. Was it everything you thought uh, you were meant to achieve, or was the was the expectation for more at that point? The the home field advantage was huge for us, um, and and going into going into the playoffs, I think you know we have to remember that a lot of these players are young, uh, the young professionals, and you know as much as they may have had competitive situations at a youth level, it's kind of a different it's a different level and having them just be able to have their home comforts and routine, um, I think really helped them focus on the game and, and diminish the nerves that they would have had surrounding playoffs and going into it. Um, but yeah, home field advantage was, was huge for us and I think helped us. Um, and, and really, I think when you look at this team is we want them to be in situations like, like playoffs and, and put them in those scenarios. So I think every every player that played or even was part of the squad, you know, learned um, and became a better player because of the, the playoffs. All right, be honest now. Where does standing on the field and lifting that championship trophy rank in moments of your life? <laughs> I, I got to be careful on that one. So uh, <laughs> you do have a wife at home. It's yeah. other. Uh, no, it was good. I was. Uh, I think more than anything, I was just you know you know happy for the guys and proud for them, and uh, it was it, it was great. I mean, it's uh, it's something that they'll always have with them, and I think that no matter where they go um, and where their career goes, they'll always have that moment, and uh, they can say they were champions, and it was great for them to see that. All right, let's talk a little bit big picture then, if you don't mind. How important is it uh, is profit versus loss? Loss. How important is the bottom line? For North Texas Soccer Club, um, I mean it's it's one of those things. It's uh, this wasn't set up to be a big a big money maker. Uh, we've got a budget and we've got goals and expectations, and we're trying to just for us. It's if we can stay within those parameters, um, it's good. And the, the focus is developing players, um, but you know it's it's the budget and the, the numbers we have are important, and we've got to stay around the we've got to stay around that, and it's uh. 
we want this team to be able in the future to be um, something that stands on its own. So um, we've got we've got long term plans and um, we're taking it, you know, with realistic goals and realistic expectations. And I think it's good for the long term. So did, looking back at last season, did you did you ballpark meet those that window that you were looking for? Financially speaking? Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that you know, we, we had certain things that we we came short on and certain things we we overachieved on. But overall, I think it was within uh, within expectations of ownership and uh, it was a successful year. So, um, yeah, we look back on it as a success. But but going back to it, we <coughs> excuse me, we didn't have unrealistic expectations and we knew there was going to be a lot of uh, a lot of things we just didn't know. So it was a learning curve. And, uh, you know, we came out of it you know, comfortable with how we finish. Now you and I have talked before about the idea of selling players to other teams, whether it be domestically or internationally, uh, as part of the business plan for North Texas soccer club. Uh, are you at all close to that sort of deal happening with any of your, uh, without details, you probably don't want to give away the farm, of course, but, um, is, is that something that's approaching that idea of selling your first player? Um, I think it's, it's more of a, a side effect. It's not something that's kind of, uh, we're basing our success or failure on, but I think that's the the football business. Uh, that's the soccer business. So, um, with the amount of talent we have, we'll see you know that happening uh, just naturally. Um, our footprint's going to grow year over year when we see more players go to different teams, and uh, it's only going to help us. But uh, we want to see players develop, and, and we really do. Uh, whether a player stays with us, gets sold, or just goes to another team, we want to see them succeed. And um, we're pretty adamant is when you're part of the FC Dallas family, it's it's something that means something. Um, even when you're not with the family anymore, there's always that relationship and support that we're going to offer players. So is there an aspect of loans, potentially like, for example, Breck Evans or Arturo Rodriguez, is, are those kinds of loans part of that process by chance? Not specifically in their cases, but just as a concept and the involvement of USLC and, and clubs that you have relationships with? Yeah, yeah. I mean, for them, it was uh, just a good opportunity and, and we want to go um, see them, see how they do. We're going to follow their progress and, and we're excited to see how they do. But it's uh, we're constantly following them. We're communicating with them. Um, we're up to date with them. So, um it's something that um, players have to learn to go to other places and succeed with other um, environments as well. So, um, yeah, the short answer is yes. Now, obviously, we're all stuck at home for most of us, I imagine, with the um, this, this big shutdown of soccer and, and, and even beyond soccer, shutdown of life in general. Yeah. Um, how big is the impact of uh, a shutdown? Your season hadn't started yet. But are you is North Texas feeling the impact of the shutdown beyond just the mechanics of I'm at home? You know, uh, is 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 it a worry yet? Uh, is it an impact yet? Um, you know, I've been on uh, conference calls. It seems you know more than I more than I am awake right now. But uh, we're at a point where all the teams in the league are very focused. They want to get games in they're ready to go they want to get as many games into the season as they can um, so right now we're planning on, on making up all the games and still getting a full season in um, but obviously things are we're monitoring things closely we're, we've got a great ownership group so we're, we're very supported and um, and we know we're going to do everything we can to to play and get a full season in so um, it is a stressful time there's a lot changing and uh, we're seeing teams in other markets um 
that, that may not have been impacted as much as the Dallas market just yet. So um, we're monitoring it. We're, we're looking at different uh, scenarios based on how long this goes and uh, what we can do, whether it's extending the season, you know, changing the playoff format, things like that. So there's lots of potential plans. And I actually was added to um, a USL task force of, of five people for League One. So we're, we're meeting with, you know, medical people, USSF, and just giving feedback. And we're able to expedite league processes a bit quicker um, based on when we get news and updates. So it's a, it's a good opportunity to, to get involved and, and find out information and, and be part of that process. So it's good. You mentioned your, your ownership. Is there, is there a point at which uh, of, of shutdown that you start to have um, legitimate troubles and problems? I mean, could, could you survive, for example, a canceled season as an organization? Um, it's, it's a good question. I think that it's uh, something that we would, we would figure as a league. I, I, I think that now we have this team, we would always want it, but, um, it's it's more of a that's a question if and when it comes we haven't we haven't had that conversation yet um, everything that I know is we want this team and it's something that I don't think the organization could live without now it's it's too good of a, a development opportunity and, and we're in it for the long term so um, yeah I think that it's one of those questions uh it wouldn't be us making that decision. I think it would be looking at other teams in the league would probably be uh, changing the landscape before we do. So are you, are you worried about some other teams in the league surviving? I mean, right now, right now, no. Um, You know, every team that we've been in contact with and we're in constant communication with all the teams, they've they've got great ownership groups. um, And they, they, there's no, there's no concern right now. and, And nobody's worried about, um, you know, not, not having a team next year. So um, I'm pretty comfortable with where the league's at and where all the teams are at. So uh, we're positive. And, um, you know, the fact that our season hadn't started gives us a bit of uh, flexibility when we're ready to go. We're going to go out the gates and we can we can adjust the season and, and things that we need to. So we'll be good, I think. Well, that's, that's good to hear. I certainly agree that um, this having this development team is a massive, massive bonus for this, this club. Which brings me to the, uh, the uh, one of the other topics that's not so easy to discuss. Would you agree with me that at least for now, um, North Texas Soccer Club is having a little bit of a trouble to get academy kids to sign on uh, on a USL level? Do you do you feel like the pipeline is not quite flowing the way it should? Um, I think we've we've signed a, you know a lot of academy players and we've given a lot of players opportunity. So um, I think overall, when you look at it, it's been. It's been successful, um, so I think we've, we've given a lot of academy players opportunities and signed signed some players. So I think it's overall when you look at it, it's successful, um, and it's case by case with with everybody. Is it important, um, perhaps organizationally, for somebody other than Ricardo Pepe to make that step to the first team to to highlight that pathway? Um, I think yeah, I think that as much as we can, you know, promote players from. North Texas and they make that step to MLS um, is is great but we're seeing it with uh, whether that's an academy player or not I think that the, the pipeline is important that we see that progression now I know there's not a specifically or I'm told there's not specifically a salary cap uh, for USL one I'm assuming that there's um, some kind of internal club budget do you have 
uh, a good flexibility to sign players from anything from a semi-pro up to, oh, I don't know, up to the equivalent of an MLS homegrown type level deal? Or is it where are your hands tied a little bit more than that? Uh, we're, we're operating within parameters and within budget constraints, but um, you know, I, I will say that what we're offering our players is is definitely fair, and I would almost say it's a, a, above, you know, market value. And uh, the pathway here is just something you don't get somewhere else, and, and to be part of this environment is is huge. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's something that I think nobody else gets the opportunities and the the infrastructure we have um, anywhere else in the country. Now, now, obviously, the appeal of a college scholarship is out there, but uh, I believe you guys have a program for uh, for education for your players as well. Could you tell us, us and the listeners a little bit more about the program that you have there for, for the academy guys that choose to come through the North Texas pathway? Yeah, so, so for those players, we offer them, uh, you know, the opportunity to get their, their degree and their education. So it's something that we, we have and uh, it's something that we felt was important to offer them. And um, we do think education is important. So really, if they if this is the decision and the route they want to go, it's not something they have to sacrifice. Um, we have players taking online courses and um, it's a great program. So we're fortunate to have that. Now, the big, big change for 2020, of course, is the move to Arlington, to Globe Life Park. Uh, how did the first contact about that situation come apart? Did the Rangers or Globe Life come to you, or did you guys reach out to uh, the Globe Life people? So I think um, this was a long, a long process, and it happened. Uh, we had Sean Decker uh, came out to to Toyota Stadium, and we were actually showing him the the Hall of Fame and and looking at that. We obviously got a new stadium going in, and uh, it just it just came about from conversation and it was the right time at the right place um yeah we uh when you initially see the that stadium um you would you would think it it wouldn't be a good fit but they they kind of told us the plans and they were able to get us involved in the process um mm. even you know meeting with the architects um and they really said look what can we do to make this work and be a good fit for you guys so um they were phenomenal partners um and we got to the more and more we heard about it it was like this is this is a good fit and um being able to have that input was great now you and i talked a little bit in person about the surface at the the stadium there why don't why don't you repeat what you told me about um y'all's input as an organization into the surface in particular your coaching staff's input into the surface there i'll preface this with you know we had a situation last year where we went and played on on some really bad grass. Um, I remember Lansing. Yeah. yeah. So, so when you look at the ideal situation, it's uh, we, we had ground zero at one point. We were comparing it with, but um, the turf they brought in, obviously, you know, it's no secret grass is preferred. But um, would you rather have phenomenal, you know, turf or bad grass? And um, the the turf they brought in is just uh as close to grass as you can get. And I think that's what Eric said. We went and did a um, community practice out there. I think, uh, yeah, you were out there. Right. And, and that was the first time we actually got to, to step foot on it. And, um, you know, from just walking on the turf, we were like, wow, this is, this is phenomenal. It's, as I said, as close to grass as you can get. Um, we were able to meet with the architects and get the, the dimensions of the field exactly the same as Toyota Stadium, which is great for us. And uh, I think it's it's a 
it's a surface that's going to allow us to play our style of football and um, we're, we're excited to play there. It's going to be good. Now, you mentioned that Globe Life and the Rangers guys were accommodating, but how was it working with the XFL? Did you have any interaction with them in terms of uh, putting together the stadium and what it was going to be like? Uh, to be honest, that was everything we've done with XFL has been great, but the interactions with our seasons not crossing over so much is, uh, hasn't been, been huge. But what we have done has been great. Um, all the, the communications with stadium um, is through the Rangers. Um, so it's really been them that have been uh, the key people we've been working with. And the, the collaboration's gone through them. So um, everything we've done with the Rangers, I think every time I walk away and we've had you know, meetings and conversations, it's exceeding expectations. So um, it again, it just seems like a good fit. We're excited about that community. Um, Rangers are excited about bringing soccer to that community and um, being able to have the input into it and getting in on the, the ground the ground level was, was huge for us and made it possible. So, Is that opening up the western half of the Metroplex in, in Arlington and Fort Worth, is, is that the biggest appeal for um, going to Globe Life? Um, yeah, I think that, you know, um, when we named it North Texas, a big reason for that was we wanted to play in a, a different area of the Metroplex and and we didn't know where yet, so we want to we want to be in Tarrant County, and um, you know we've ran um, a lot of numbers, and we've we've cross referenced our FC Dallas ticket buyers and season ticket holders, and we've seen this, you know, a lot of people in in Tarrant County that will come to one, maybe two FC Dallas games a year. We know there's demand, and people want to come to games, but they won't come into to multiple games. So we know there's fans out there. We know it's a great soccer community. Um, there's over 400,000 people in, in Arlington alone. Um, and I think it's close to 2 million or maybe just over 2 million in Tarrant County. So, um, for us, we wanted to create our own fan base and, um, you know, especially after last year, we can see that, you know, um, being too close to FC Dallas when they're playing games may not be the best idea. So we're, we're going to an area where we're seeing, you know, a good soccer community. Um, but we're, we're, really competing with the commute more than we are competing with the product or FC Dallas on the field. So um, we think like, we're going to have a lot of success. The feedback we've got so far has been, you know, phenomenal from from conversations with people to, to stakeholders in the community. And then um, as excited as the the area is for, for the World Cup and bringing World Cup games over there, it's, it's a good fit. And again, it's, it's the right time at the right place and just everything seems to be a good fit right now. So in the interest of full disclosure, of course, I will admit that I live five blocks away from the stadium, so I'm super excited about y'all moving there. How have your players reacted to the idea of uh, having their own venue and playing in Arlington? Um, the players have been phenomenal with it. You know, we kind of went out and, and talked to the players, and we just explained uh, the mindset behind it. And, uh, you know, they bought in, and I think the, the rationale and the reasons we're doing things um, speaks for itself. And, and they're pros, and... Um, you know, when you look at um, the facility and we've done the walkthrough, I think they're really excited to be, be playing there. It's a phenomenal facility. So uh, we're going to be able to do a lot more um, with the community and be part of the community. So it's good for us and uh, that's good for the players to get that experience as well, you know, doing clinics and hospital visits and um, just being more of an identity um, rather than the FC Dallas second team, you know, being their own team in their own community. So we're excited for it and the players are, are excited too. Now you have a three-year lease. 
What are your expectations and goals over that three years at Globe Life? Yeah, so uh, so really we're, we're just putting realistic expectations in to grow each year. And uh, um, as I said, we want to be part of the community. We want to get good crowds out there. We've kind of uh, isolated, you know, one stand in the stadium um, so that we can we can keep it compact and intimate and a good experience for fans coming in. So um, we just, we're starting out with realistic expectations and, and growing each year as it comes. But uh, again, we're excited. We want to be a big part of the community and uh, I think it's going to help us with our, our brand and just being a, a good identity there. The, the feedback we've got so far has been, has been really good, as I said. Okay. Long term, let's say five years, 10 years, What's your dream stadium scenario? What or or what might you think your stadium scenario might look like if it's not the dream scenario? What is the dream scenario? Yeah, so so long term, we're we're pretty vigilant about about looking forward and and looking at the the next steps. Um, we've been working on some ideas and projects. We've been talking with a lot of cities and CVBs, and, and we're constantly just evaluating our options. Um, I think that in an ideal world, you know, we would love to have. Uh, you know, a complex like Money Grand Park or, you know, Toyota Soccer Center with, with multiple fields, 10, 12 fields and a championship field, um, you know, that seats four or 5,000 people. Um, and that could be home for, for North Texas because as an organization, we have a history and we have, you know, the ability to, to, to manage a complex like that. Um, I think that would be our ideal situation. But, you know, we've also been exploring, you know, the, the, the modular stands and, and stadiums now with other places and, and being able to pop those up. But I think a lot of it is, it's just, it's a long time, long-term process and it takes a lot of, uh, you know, town halls and city meetings to, to see, but we're, we're by no means, um, anywhere down the road in, in anything concrete, but we've got a lot of, um, kind of hooks in the water. Now you mentioned MoneyGram. Is that a viable option or does it need to be more Tarrant County? Um, we we want to be in Tarrant County to be honest with you. It's it's something that we see as uh as a great great place for us to be. All right, moving ahead to twenty twenty. How's the team shaping up? You think you guys can repeat? What's your expectations for the year? Um, I think I think as a as a team, um, if you ask the team, the expectations of championship now. Um, you know, you shouldn't shouldn't sell for less, but there's a lot that goes into that. So, uh, um, for the team, we would we would want to see as 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 contending for a championship and, and winning an, another championship. I know the players want to, the staff want to. Um, you know, it was interesting. We had the, the ring ceremony um, for the players that are still here to get those rings and, and the new players kind of walked away from that, seeing seeing the players get the rings and they're like, I want one of those next year. So it was a, it was a good motivation for them. And, um, you know, we, we want to see players develop and we want to give them opportunity to develop, but, but we also want to win and we feel we can do both. Now you're not a coach, but you you're a player, you're a fan. I see you out there watching training. Who's your prediction for breakout new star for this year? You're, you're this year's Arturo Rodriguez, this year's Ronaldo Damos. Who's it going to be? Um, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you um, that really it could be anyone. Um, I don't know if I can can pinpoint one player. It's this early in the season, um, but it wouldn't surprise me if anybody stepped up and kind of broke out. You know. Um, I think that we've got a really talented group. I think we've probably got a better team this year than we did last year. But wow. also, I think that the whole league is going to be stronger this year. You know, it's uh, got that experience under their belt. A lot of them have a core group now. They're bringing back. Um, 
But, you know, if you remember last year, I think there were some players at the start of the season that were out the gate so strong and then kind of faded off towards the second half of the season. Most definitely. Um, and it's it's that's part of the thing with these players. They're learning, they're learning to be pros, and a big factor of that is consistency. And you got to buy into you know the the philosophy of the team and um, just just keep it up and keep it consistent. So um, the simple answer is I think that anybody could be um, one of those players that breaks out and just the uh, the environment we've created for them. You know, if there's opportunities to go train with the first team and they get pulled over and, and train with the first team and um, they're sharing the same corridor with the first team and just they can see the next step, um, anybody could step up. And I think we've got a really, really talented group this year that, um, you know, if they, if they just put their head down and work hard, um, any or all of them could, you know, could, could stand out and um, just leapfrog to the next, the next level in their career. Well, here's my answer to that question. It's Juan Manuel <laughs> Alvarez, who is on loan from Monterey. Yeah, no, he's he's a he's a phenomenal player, and I think he saw him with uh, in a preseason game with the captain's armband on. So he's he's a uh, he's definitely identifying himself as a, as a player that's uh, leading by example, and uh, he's he's definitely a, a talent to keep your eyes on. I assume you have some kind of buy option in his loan. I I would hope. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah. You almost uh, passed, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna pass, but you know, at the end of the day, I think that you know we're not gonna hide behind the reason for this team is we're signing players that we see project to the first team, and that's that's the goal. Um, so we're, we're gonna execute contracts based on that, and uh, you know, if if the option wasn't there, it wouldn't make much sense for him to to come. So um, we we want players, and we're trying to identify young talent that have potential to make the first team, and that's really. If we can develop them, um, you know that's that's the whole philosophy around the team, and um, that's the exciting part of it is is they have the talent, and uh, we've got to develop them, and the opportunity is there. So it's uh, I think you know if, if we see this exercise through and this project, you know five, six, seven years, and you track the, the players that we've had and, and where they go, it's going to be a really interesting to see um, just just the footprint that North Texas Soccer Club has created. All right, Matt, thanks for your time. You've gone way beyond the normal call of duty. I appreciate it. Any last message for the fans out there? No, just, just that we appreciate your support. And, um, you know, if, uh, if, you, if you're in the, the Tarrant County area and um, come out to games, if you're not, come check it out. We're, we're pretty fortunate to have that facility. But, um, but follow us and keep supporting us, and, and we appreciate um, everything you guys do. So, um, again, we're excited about, about growing the footprint of, of soccer in, in the DFW Metroplex. And uh, and we appreciate everything you guys do over there, Buzz. So um, all your coverage and, and things like that helps us a lot. Well, thank you. All right, everybody. That's been today's podcast with Matt Denny, general manager of North Texas Soccer Club. We will have a podcast next week. I'm not 100% sure what it's going to be, but there will be something. If you enjoyed this or any of our other coverage, feel free to support us at patreon.com slash third degree as we try and ramp this thing up to a next level during the middle of all the shutdown. Matt, thanks again for coming on. Appreciate you. Yeah, stay safe, everybody. That's true. Everybody out there, stay safe. Stay home alone. Protect yourself. Protect your family. Protect your community. And join us next week on Third Degree, the podcast.